Welcome to the Bond Brain. And now, without further ado, here's your host, Bud West. Welcome back to the Bond Brain for another new topic, and a new topic in the post no time to die world now before you go forward with this i may actually touch on some spoilers here so if you do not want to hear spoilers maybe wait until after you've seen the film i'm going to tag this as a spoiler in there because there's a couple things i want to bring up on the tagline but please avoid this listen to it later if you could i don't want to ruin anything for anyone at the date of the recording of this is october 9th i've just seen it here it's just opened in the u.s i know it doesn't open in australia until i believe sometime in november which you know it sucks for you guys i do you do have my sympathies there uh but the topic i had in mind here is why james bond Why do we keep coming back to this film series? Why do all of us who sit here and will listen to a podcast on this topic such as this, why do we keep coming back to these films? And we did it again. We just came back for No Time to Die, obviously. You know, it it is a little shocking right now that we actually got to see the film for a while there. I thought for sure we were going to, somebody was going to find Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster before we got to see No Time to Die. Now, I had recorded this podcast previous to all of this, but then after seeing the film, I thought maybe it might be nice to explore some of the topics within the realm of the latest movie. So we all know how long Bond's been around. I mean, next year is the 60th year, and there's actually only been one movie character that's lasted longer than Bond, though you're not going to pull this off really off the top of your head because it's really Godzilla. There have been Godzilla movies since the 50s. You know, it's kind of a strange character. Obviously, there's no dialogue or anything, just that trademark Godzilla roar. But outside of that, you know, there's nothing that's lasted this long. Now, obviously, there's quite a few franchise film series out there that people get into. I mean, for many years, I was a big Star Trek fan. I was a big Star Wars fan. I lost interest in Star Wars right around the Rogue One. I lost interest in Star Trek following the latest series of movies. I thought the first one that came out was pretty good, but then they just started rehashing some old storylines and characters, and I kind of gave up on it. I've never watched Picard. I've never watched Discovery, uh, the Below Decks uh, cartoon. I've never watched any of that stuff. And if you had asked me years ago, you know, do you think there's any point you'll ever give up watching Star Trek? No, I was not the kind of guy that was going to go to a convention or put on a costume or anything like that. But I would have told you now, I'll always keep watching it. They're always good shows. But I kind of did lose my enthusiasm for it, though I have never lost enthusiasm for Bond. I got bored with the Star Wars and I actually went to the theater to see Rogue One and fell asleep in the middle of the film and that was kind of the end of the line for me for Star Wars. But with Bond, why do we come back to this second largest franchise? Why do you second longest running franchise after Godzilla? And I started to look at how people view fictional films in general and look up psychological studies and sociological studies. I mean, why do people see a 
film and cry? Why do we laugh? Why do we do all of these things in response to something that is not reality? And the truth of the matter is, is because as human beings, we have the human nature is to be empathetic, to feel what other people feel. It's, it's why you may go to a funeral and, you know, your friend's parent passed away. Now, Maybe you didn't even know that particular parent, but you do have empathy for your friend because you know that they've lost someone that they are close to. And it's very similar when it comes to watching fictional television, fictional films. As human beings, studies show that we really blur the lines between fiction and reality. And I even read an article where it talked about actors and actresses who portray doctors and nurses on TV shows receiving letters and emails asking them for medical advice. So there's some people that can't even discern where the blurred line ends and reality begins. And with that line blurred, what happens is our, our brain, when processing fictional content, reacts very similar to as if we had witnessed this in reality. And they call that the theory of the mind. And that's that human nature to be empathetic. You can, to a certain extent, feel what that fictional character feels. When I first got married, I first started dating my Bond girl, I would you know, kind of laugh at her and, and tease her and make fun of her a little bit for crying at movies and TV shows when she was watching these dramas that she watched. But the funny thing was, it really isn't any different than when I see, you know, the action sequences in the Bond movies. The heart races a little bit. It gets all pumped up. You can actually see things happen on TV. You begin to like and dislike or even hate certain characters and wish they could get rid of. I mean, recently, my wife and I have been watching a television series with a Western setting called Yellowstone. And there's one character in there I wish she would just get kicked off the show because I can't stand the character. That isn't really the way that I should be processing that. I mean, it's a fictional character. Why in God's name would I hate this woman? But I do hate her. I can't stand to watch this character on screen. I groan every time she has a scene. And it has nothing to do with the ability of the actress. The actress is actually very good. But And if that's what she's going for, at least with me, she's actually nailed it. And so that human nature to be empathetic and feel what that fictional character feels is there's also another theory out there called embodied simulation. And that is that we take on the characteristics of the simulation. It's the libido fires up when we see a sex scene, the, the heart rate and adrenaline increase, the dopamine increases to your brain when we see action sequences, or we might even get a little shaky and shocked at maybe an very accurately or very artistically depicted scene of violence. So it's a pretty interesting topic. And then in the realm of Bond, what keeps getting us to come back? And when I look at why I follow these films, and there's characters I like and characters I don't like. There were scenes in No Time to Die when I was not happy with what they did with the character in the end. And that's because I like that character and I like that particular actor who actress who filled that role. So that's why it's always very interesting to see. And I don't really get into reviewing films because 
it really is how that film or that piece of fiction made you feel. It's why we go back and rewatch these films over and over and over again. And even though you know what's going to happen, there's still a little bit of that excitement there. And you'll watch that scene you really like that might have a motorcycle jump or a sequence of gunshots or taking down the bad guy or a seduction scene or something that you can really identify with. And I think maybe there's also that feeling that when you see something on screen that maybe you don't really have in life or maybe you would like to be. I mean, think about it. Who doesn't want to be James Bond, man or woman, to just go out, do the things you got to do to get your job done, kick ass when you got to kick ass and never have any responsibility for those things. And it really kind of settles into that that mindset, at least for me. Now here comes the part when I uh, touch on possible spoilers here. So if you've gone this far and you haven't heard anything, I was trying to save it for the end here, but you might want to tune out here. So that empathy that I talked about earlier in this in relation to No Time to Die, uh, I'm not the kind of guy who, who, who tears up. Uh, I just have never been. I don't know the reason for that. I don't cry at movies. I I don't even cry at funerals. Um, at my own father's funeral. I'm just not an overly emotional guy. Um, probably because of him. My father had basically two moods, regular and mad as all living hell. Uh, fortunately, 99.99% of the time, his mood was just regular. And then uh, it's occasionally, you know... I could set him off. Usually not me. It was usually one of my siblings. I won't name which one, but, and that was it. And I'm kind of have the same way. So I really don't get into it that much. So no matter what, how they ended it, the only thing I will have to say about that was I thought it was weak. I thought it was entirely out of character for Bond. I thought he gave up and chose the easy way out. That's my take. I made a joke one time in a book club meeting that David Zeritsky on the Bond Experience did, and he posed the question when he was doing the book club live on YouTube that, who do you picture when you read these books? And I made a joke, you know, I picture me. Um, Peter Brooker even kind of took off with it and said, hey, yeah, I picture you too, bud. So so anyway, um, but the truth of the matter is I think that we all kind of do that a little bit. And so when I look at the character, I look at it as if, is that what I would have done? And no, for me, I would have continued on and to the point that at least you could support your child, you could support your wife or the people you love. What he did was kind of give up. And I thought that was insanely out of character for James Bond. And it's the reason that I'm glad Craig is not continuing and I'm not a big fan of Daniel Craig. I think he started off with a bang with Casino Royale, and he kind of got touchy-feely after that. And with all of the other actors, I think even when the movies are not good, there's oh, they're, they're always Bond. They're always in Bond mode, where I wouldn't look at Craig that way. There are moments in his Bond movies where he's very un-Bond-like. Now, to go back to that embodied simulation and that... And that theory of empathy for characters, there are people who like that. I recognize that. I don't personally like it, but there are people that like that. I want him to be just cold-hearted and hard-nosed, and that's it. That's the part I like about the character. I like the no-nonsense version of Bond, not the touchy-feely version of Bond. So that's my take on it. That's my exploration.
question of why we react the way we react to these movies. And so this is Bud West with the Bond Brain. And as the film says, James Bond will return, fortunately, and the Bond Brain will also return. Thanks, folks. <laughs> 